Good morning, everybody. I apologize at the get-go for no coffee and donuts this morning. I don't know what happened. Um, I wasn't supposed to make the donuts. All right. Um, how many of you were here yesterday? All right. Awesome day yesterday. That's about like 98% of you were here. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's so cool. We probably had about 160 so come through uh, kids that got backpacks. Many of them got haircuts, all kinds of things. Uh, we're already in the works planning for next year, uh, some improvements and things to make it better. But that was huge, uh, the effort that we made for the community uh, and, and the mix of it, uh, the opportunity to share who Jesus is uh, and pray over people. It was huge. Those kind of things happen because of the way we sacrifice. And so each Sunday we pass baskets, and I'm going to ask you to grab a hold of that if you're close to one. I know some of you it's a long way over, but just pass those across. Many of them give their offerings online, uh, and that is uh, really greater because it becomes a consistent part of our life. So we're celebrating that today. Next Sunday... On the heels of Homeroom Hope, we wanted to do an outreach event, and it's called Back to School. Hopefully, if you have kids, grandkids, neighbors, you've invited them to this. There are over, right now, over 50 kids coming next Sunday uh, for this. It's right after services. We'll have our big water slides set up. All kinds of things are happening, and you'll want to be a part of that. Pick up a card when you leave. And share this with your neighbors. There's still time for people to sign up and bring their kids next Sunday, 11 o'clock. Next Sunday, 11 o'clock. All right. I mean, even notice that the way we listen to music over the years has changed. All right? As you get a little bit older, it's just crazy from generation to generation how we even listen to music is different. Some of you in this room might not even remember what this is. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know what that is. It's a what? A record player. And then we move to this, which some might not recognize. You know, I had one of those in my car in high school and wore that thing out, an eight-track player. Then we moved on to this. All right, the Walkman, the cassette player. I mean, Anthony, did you have one of those or that's still not you? Wow. See what I mean? Generation to generation, it changes. About one of these. That you had, all right? The CD player. And then we move to the what? iPods. We have, how many had one of those? All right, we're getting closer and then, of course, about every single one of you have one of these. And that today is how we listen to music. Who knows in five to ten years how we'll be listening to music. And all of us maybe have a playlist. And we get that playlist, many of us, through Spotify. How many of you use Spotify? Some of you maybe are still thinking that's a diagnosis from a doctor. All right? It's... A, some kind of bad disease. No, it's a place where we go and gather our playlist 
a list of songs that we listen to. We use it here on Sunday morning all the time. We have different playlists for different things. And so the next several weeks, that's what we're going to do. We're going to form a playlist from the book of Psalm, from the book of Psalm. In fact, the book of Psalm is actually a collection of songs. How many remember a hymnal? All right. It was kind of the hymnal of biblical times of the early church. Most of them were written by David, although not all of them. But we're going to pull a few of these. And my hope and my prayer in this is that we will begin to get the psalm, the book of psalm or the psalms or the songs in it really in our hearts and in our heads. And it can become a playlist for us as a sort. We're going to begin with Psalm 32. If you brought your Bible, you can turn there or get there on your phone. It's easy if you're looking. If you go home and you open up your Bible, just open it right to the middle. And chances are you're going to find the book of Psalm. And my prayer is through this whole thing that we will gain a stronger connection in our head, in our hearts, that worship is really a prayer to God. What we just did, we don't come together and just sing songs to sing songs. It's a time of prayer. And these psalms were written as prayers directed to the throne of God. So when we worship and participate together and we sing together, we miss the power and significance of worship if we don't understand that we're offering a prayer to God. And when we begin to see worship as a prayer that we're offering to God, and by the way, about every song, every song we sing is a prayer to God. And when we begin to think about that, then our preference for style of music, our preference for type of music doesn't matter anymore because we don't base it on our preference. We base it on our prayer and our worship of God. Now, before we get into our prayer, our, our playlist, I want to give you a quick overlook of the book of Psalm. Typically, it's divided into five different categories, and if you've got your outline, you can fill these out. The first one are psalms of lament, psalms of lament. These express sorrow, grief over some suffering that the psalmist was experiencing in his life. These psalms say, God, here's what I'm going through. Will you please help me? God, here's what's happening in my life. One-third of the psalms are psalms of lament. Another type is the psalms of praise. These are psalms that talk about, in the Bible, talk about the greatness of God. They speak of his character, of his nature. They praise God for who he is. And then there are psalms of thanksgiving, where the psalms of praise focus on the character and nature of God the Psalms of Thanksgiving tend to be more specific. They thank God for how he worked in specific situations in our lives, how he rescued his people from the past. And then there are Psalms of Wisdom. These are songs that worship God for his truth. 
they declare God's wisdom over our lives, again, in the form of a prayer offered to him. Then there are psalms of enthronement, which are also called the royal psalms. These are psalms that focus on Jesus, either indirectly or directly, but they point us to the coming king, the coming Messiah. And so the book of Psalm, all these prayers, all these songs are typically categorized in one of those five areas. Now, in those five areas, you can break it up into different other areas. And one of those is what we're going to talk about today, the Psalm of Confession. It would be found under the Psalms of Lament, the Psalm of Confession, where we express sorrow for the sin in our life, and we ask God to forgive us for the sin in our life. The Psalm of Confession, there are a few of them, and they're listed on your outline, but I'm going to give them to you. Psalm 6, Psalm 32, Psalm 38, Psalm 51, Psalm 102, 130, and 143. Now, I listed those on your outline on purpose because I want you kind of to, I challenge you to cut those, that list out, put them in your wallet, in your purse, and every now and then pray through those. You know, don't get those numbers confused with your lottery numbers if you lately, you know, were playing the lottery with the way it is. And by the way, if you do play the lottery, remember there's a thing called tithing, right? All right. You laugh at that, but I've had people over the years that have hit it and they've given the 10% to the church and we didn't say that's the devil's money. We can't have it. We took it. All right. We took it. Psalm of Confession. We're going to be studying again Psalm 32. Most likely David wrote this. Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. So a couple words used there, blessed and sin. And it's important to grab a hold of that because the acknowledgement of sin is closely connected to God's blessing in our life. When we live with the refusal to acknowledge our sin, then confession is missing. And when confession is missing, God's blessing is missing because the two go hand in hand. Now, they usually push back on confession. We really don't like to do it. It's not fun, but if we don't acknowledge our sin, we're in trouble because it's through the door of confession that on the other side is God's blessing. And without confession, God's blessing doesn't come. And so David begins talking about the blessing that comes from acknowledging our sin, confessing our sin before God. Now, here's the thing. The word sin isn't used very much in today's culture. The word sin, probably in 70% of the churches across the United States, today you won't hear the word sin. Why? Because it makes us uncomfortable. It's not mushy, it's not gushy, it's not loving, but it's truth. 
Instead of saying, I've sinned, we'll call it different things. I want you to think of some things that maybe in today's culture, instead of saying, I sinned, we say, I made a mistake, right? Well, sin can be a mistake, but every mistake isn't a sin. If a child's coloring and a child goes outside the lines, you say, oh, Johnny, you sinned. You colored outside. No, he made a mistake. So there are mistakes that sometimes necessarily aren't sins. But instead of calling our sin a sin, let's say, oh, I I messed up. I made a mistake. What's another word? Well, you might call it a disease. And you struggle with something that's going on in your life and it's ongoing. And instead of taking responsibility for it, we'll say, I've got a disease. Now, in a sense, again, sin is a disease, all right? The Bible talks about the fact that we have inherited a sin nature. It's part of who we are. But sometimes I think when we approach sin as a disease, that means I don't have to take responsibility for it. You know, it's something that's come upon me. The Oxford Junior Dictionaries, how many remember dictionaries? They're about like record players, all right? Well, they removed the word sin from, their con- from the dictionary's contents. And when they received heat about it, they said the word sin has fallen into disuse. And then when they went on to explain, it's no longer relevant, re- relevant to younger generations. So they took it out of the dictionary. It's no longer relevant to younger d- generations. So let's just remove it from a vocabulary. And sadly, I think many churches have removed it from their teaching because people aren't comfortable with it. But here's the thing. When we don't acknowledge our sin, then there's no confession. And when we don't confess, there's no forgiveness. And when there's no forgiveness, that means we miss out on the blessing of God. Let me say that again. When we don't acknowledge sin, there's no confession. When we don't confess, there's no forgiveness. And when there's no forgiveness, we miss out on the blessing of God. It all goes together. And so when I acknowledge my sin, when I confess that before God, then I receive God's blessing in my life. I don't call it a mistake. I don't call it an error in judgment. I don't call it an oversight. I don't call it a slip up. I call it what it is, sin. Say it with me, sin. It was probably a year or so ago. Hopefully my voice stays with me here. I did something that I, I, I do a lot. I've done a lot. I would have you guys turn to each other and say, you're a sinner, right? Go ahead and do it. Turn to the person and say, you're a sinner, right? We all are. We all are. But I had someone come up up to me and corner me in the parking lot, and they said, that's not true. You shouldn't do that. And what are you talking about? He said, we're all covered by the blood of Christ. We're not sinners anymore. I said, okay, I get you. 
but I'm a sinner still. I still sin. I may be forgiven, but unless I acknowledge my sin, I confess my sin, that forgiveness isn't coming my way. And I still sin every single day, unfortunately. Anybody else? All right? And we have to acknowledge that sin before God. Augustine, in his book Confessions, which was written around A.D. 400, said this, My sin was all the more incurable because I did not think myself a sinner. It was huge. That's huge. It's important that churches take note of this, that all of us take note of this. My sin is all the more incurable because I did not think myself a sinner. And when we don't talk about it, we don't acknowledge it, maybe because it makes us uncomfortable, we try to avoid the word or the subject, unless we come face to face with a diagnosis, we can't find the cure. We can't find the cure. Romans 3, Paul shares all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And so the song of confession begins, opening line, I'm not pretending anymore, God. I'm a sinner in need of your grace. After his affair with Bathsheba, more than a year went by before David finally confessed his sin and acknowledged it. A year. Psalms 32, he talks about what happened as he was living with that unconfessed sin. Verses 3 and 4. When I kept silent, you know, when I refused to confess my sin, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Then verse 4, he says, For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the what? Heat of summer. How many have that feeling with the humidity lately? You know, it just saps your strength. David said, that's what it was like when I was carrying around this unconfessed sin. And there are different symptoms that happen when we carry this sin and we don't acknowledge it before God. I'm going to give you a few of them. One thing that can happen is emotional and physical consequences. We just lose our energy. We become anxious. We become stressed. All because we're living with an unconfessed sin. And some of us carry that for years. We'll carry this weight of the sin that hasn't been taken before God. We'll carry it with us, carry it with us, and that weight will wear us down, and we don't even realize it's happening. But until we let God take that weight off, and once we do that, it's like, oh, finally, finally, it's gone. Another one, relational consequences. Now, let me help you kind of identify this one with some questions. And to help you determine if relational consequences are happening in your life because of unconfessed sin that you haven't addressed. Here's the first one. Do you have an underlying sense of frustration with other people? Do you have an underlying sense of frustration with other people? It's often a, a symptom of an unconfessed sin. Guilt overcomes us. Guilt comes to the surface in anger that's, undirect, that's undirected, spills out on the other people around us. Are you expressing frustration with other people in your life? If you don't know the answer to that, ask them. 
you know, have I been frustrated lately with you? And if you have been, that unconfessed sin in our life causes us to be more frustrated, be more irritable, and causes us to be short with other people. Another question. Have you been avoiding certain people in your life? We see it with David. Before he acknowledges and confesses his sin, he wanted nothing to do with the prophet Nathan. Stayed away from him. Are there the relationships that you are staying away from and avoiding because if you're in that situation or with those people, it reminds you of the sin that's inside still? Another one. And by the way, some people avoid coming to worship because being in this place reminds them of a weakness or sin in their life. That's why a whole lot of people don't go to church. Because if they came to church, they'd have to come face to face with the person God really wants them to be. Question number three, have you been defensive lately? Defensiveness often comes from unresolved guilt that deep down inside we know there's some things that we need to deal with that we haven't dealt with. Someone may say something to you, just off the cuff say something to you, you reply back, well, what did you mean by that? Well, I didn't mean anything by it. You're just carrying something inside that causes you to respond to them that thinks you need to be defensive. So there are relational consequences. And then, of course, there are spiritual consequences. Our sin separates us from God. And until we repent of our sins... There's always going to be something that stands between us and God. That's why confession is the doorway that makes us right with God and gives us God's blessing. That's the way to God. So there are consequences that David describes. Then in verse 5, Psalm 32 still, verse 5, he talks about confessing his sin. Here's what he says. Then I acknowledge my sin to you, and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Wow. So confession is acknowledge our sin before God. What's that mean? Well, confession requires us to humble ourselves, saying, God, I'm not all that. God, I don't have it together. God, I'm not going to make it without you. God, I open up my heart. I open up my life. I, op- I give everything, and I lay it at your feet. That's where confession begins. Forgiveness, the blessing of God, cannot happen without our humility. It just can't happen. John shares in 1 John 1, 8 and 9, he says, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if you say you're without sin, John says, the truth's not in you. In verse 5, Davis tells us how God responds to that, and this is really cool. It simply says, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. I want to look at that just for a second because I think we might miss something there. We might miss a word that's important, a phrase that's important. David could have wrote, and you forgave my sin. 
That would have worked. But David wrote, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Why is that important? Well, if you grab a hold of this, it can change your life spiritually. It can change your whole outlook on life. Because David just didn't say, you forgave my sin. He said, God, you forgave the guilt of my sin. Some of us grew up in churches that taught, God forgave my sin, but not necessarily the guilt of my sin. Meaning, God forgives you, but you better feel bad about it for the rest of your life. Right? You better keep coming to church and making it right. You better feel bad about it. And understand that some of you might be in relationships like that. Someone that says, yeah, I forgive you. I forgive you. But you need to feel bad about what you did for the rest of your life until you die a miserable death. But I forgive you. Right? You ever had anybody say, I forgive you, and you knew they really didn't forgive you? But God does. God forgives you. When he forgives you, he forgets about what you did. It's no longer in his memory. It's no longer in his heart. It's not biblical to say, God says, I forgive you, but. No. I forgive you. That's it. It's gone. And he not only forgives your sin, he forgives the guilt of your sin. And some of you have had your sins forgiven, but you keep carrying that weight. You keep carrying that guilt and you got to let it go. If you get nothing out of this message this morning, understand that you matter so much to God that he allowed his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross, to allow his blood to flow from that cross, to cover your sins, to forgive your sins, and to forget about your sins, so you need to too. You need to rest in God's forgiveness and in God's grace. To do that, though, we have to take our sins before God. And so this morning, I want to give you a chance to do that. I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to just confess those sins before God. I'm going to ask Zach to come and to play some music as we do this. But I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads and enter into a time of confession between you and God silently. Let's do that now. Come. Uh-huh. 
the greatest sacrifice. You were wounded for my sin, and you were bruised for all my shame. You God, we thank you. We thank you that you have taken a weight off of us this morning. God, that as we bring our weaknesses, our sins, God, those things that separate us from you, God, we thank you for the cross that bridges that divide. That God, through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, you in essence look at us and God, you see us 
as your perfect children through the blood of your son. God, I pray this morning for everyone in this room. God, that they would come to understand that. God, that they would come to accept that. And God, that they would not carry the weight of their sin and their guilt around in this life. But God, give it to you completely. And God, part of the way that we celebrate that forgiveness every week and remember the sacrifice of your son is through communion, through the supper, through the meal that you left for us to do each and every week. And God, this morning as we take a piece of bread, God, remembering the sacrifice and the body of your son, and as we take God, a sip of juice, remembering that blood that we spoke of that flowed on purpose from the cross for us. God, after we take this, God, I pray we feel cleansed, we feel feel refreshed, refreshed, and God, ultimately, we just anticipate your return to take us to spend eternity with you. We take this communion now, in honor and in remembrance of you and your sacrifice. In Jesus' name we pray. It's in Jesus' name we partake. Amen. It's very special today that, especially after as we talk about confession and forgiveness, that one of the things that we uh, do with everything we got when we ask for God's forgiveness and we accept Christ into our life and we grow, then eventually we are following in obedience to his word and we go under the water. We're immersed in baptism just as Jesus was immersed. And so we've got that happening today. Uh, Natalie and Hannah, if you guys want to step into the water. Uh, many of you know Hannah. Uh, she's been here at Medina with us for quite some time. She's probably taking care of your babies in the nursery, uh, but she's going to make that decision today, and we'll turn it over to them as this happens. Natalie. All right. So this is Hannah. Um, I had the privilege and blessing of knowing her as my friend for quite a while since high school. Um, I feel really honored to be a part of this today. Um, I've just been able to watch her grow. Um, and watch her love for Christ and um, see as she really did decide to make him the Lord of her life. So I'm so happy she's taking this step today. It's a really amazing thing. Praise God. Um, we're going to do the confession first, and then we're going to go ahead and baptize you. So, under confession of faith, we're going to baptize you. Okay. Dead to sin. Alive in Christ. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. That is fantastic. And of course, many of you know, but you might not know from Romans chapter 6, what they just reenacted was Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, as uh, scriptures teach. So that is so, so cool. 
I love what David says in Psalm 32, and we'll wrap it all up with this in verses 10 and 11. He concludes, Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. There's an action verb there. What is it? Yeah, a little louder. Sing, sing. I love Eugene Peterson in the message. He paraphrases this. He says, celebrate God. Sing together, everyone. All you honest hearts, raise the roof. I love that. Because when we come to acknowledge God's amazing grace and his forgiveness in our life, man, as his church, when we worship, when we offer our prayers to him through song, guys, we better raise the roof. We better raise the roof. If you don't like to do that, you're not going to like heaven. All right? So let's stand and let's do that right now.